Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox, Christopher Savage Bull Landauer, and David Garrett. Savages! Welcome to episode 21 of Savage Cast. I am your, one of your hosts, the Savage Mommy. And I'm your other host, the Savage Bull. And this week, we don't have the non-nicknamed David Garrett. I don't know about you, Chris, but Mr. Garrett really needs to start looking at his priorities. This whole I'm going to go do something with my family thing has got to stop when we want to record. I know. Wife and kids? Seriously. Gaming must come before family. Um, So, David, I know you're going to listen to this because you're going to be editing this. So I'd like to just put that out there to you right now. Um, I, I would really ask that you please... Please look at your priorities. Please make sure you begin to put Savage Cast first. Um, when we want to record, um, you you are going to be expected to uh, jump. No, <laughs> no, we miss David when he's not here. But yeah, David David's got a family thing and uh, going on, so uh, we love it when he's here. And we're actually recording in the springs. So. Yeah, yeah, we love it when he's here. But, but we, he's in we know. Now. Yeah, he's got he's got family stuff. So uh, we we just we love you, David. We'll give you some some crap about not being here, but uh, we completely understand. So hot damn, we are at episode twenty one. We can actually drink now. We we can. We are legal. And we can own firearms even after recent firearm bans. Like we're dangerous people, drunk and armed. That's right, and savage. The key there is savage. Yeah, we've always drunk, armed, and savage. But we've always been savage. <laughs> we've but, been savage. but now we can be a little, a little more savage. Right, no longer just biting and kicking. Right, right, yes. So, um, kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, what gaming wise. Uh, I know you don't get a lot in, but have you gotten any gaming in? The last home game I played in was um, Donald Arnold play, um, ran Turbo Kid at Kingscon, but he ran um, a special encore. Um, for Gilbert Gallo and uh, myself. Hi, Christopher. This is Gilbert. Um, at his house, and it was fun. I got to play um, Apple, who is the um, wonderfully crazy and eccentric um, robot. So, Turbo Kid. So, you, I would say, yeah, know, tell people what Turbo Kid is if they don't know, because some people it, might not know. It's on Netflix for free right now, so you gotta you gotta like watch Turbo Kid. If you liked Kung Fury, you'd like Turbo Kid. It's a total. Love letter to 80s B-movies that are kind of like the Australian outback post-apocalyptic horror. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's got, like, Michael Ironside is the, the big bad dude. And, and it's 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 a it's it, uh, something, a genre that now people are starting to talk about a lot. It's uh, kids on bikes. Yes. Kind of genre, right? Totally. So, a, Stranger Things, except like, stuff like that. Right? So, the, the, the main hero is Turbo Kid, and he has his, like, Turbo Rider... Um, comic book is like his, you know, Bible in life. And he's running around the wasted out, outlands of the post-apocalypse on a, like, you know, uh, 80s style bicycle um, having adventures. And so, you know, it's, it's everything cheesy, like that, like Waterworld was or Mad Max um, with kind of the, uh, you know, fun, lightheartedness, B-movie, D-movie, whatever um, style 
um, that you probably saw in Kung Fury. So don't go in expecting like 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 high drama and and this this no there's, a, a, a movie. It's going to be a B movie. Go in for what it's watch it for what it's there's lots what of like, to, to what it's worth. Uh, uh, there's lots of like blood spurting effects that you can totally tell is like you know cough syrup or you know. Right, and some and some and some guy squeezing a, a little thing is right. squirting out on yes. squirting out on people. Yes, and, but it's kind of fantastic. So um, you know, decapitations, decapitations while urinating. Like, oh, nice, nice. Like, lots of just bodily fluid pumps going on on the set. So he ran a game of that um, home game, which was hilarious and fun. And uh, other than that, um, I've been working a lot more. Still working on my Renaissance setting. Um, currently writing up a thing on tattoo magic. And how that's going to work. Oh, nice. And uh, tarot cardomancy. Oh, very cool. So those are kind of the projects I've been working on outside of gaming. Well, that does lead. Oh, what have you been, what have you been gaming recently? So I have uh, I've got a few things going on. I'm, I'm running uh, Last Suns, uh, so Deadlands for a group. One of the um, amazing, amazing plot point points. campaigns. Yeah. And the other two things basically that right now are non-Savage Worlds. I am currently playing on Saturday nights in a... Uh, game of Trudvang. Uh, Trudvang, I talked a little bit about it last time. It's a Norwegian, I think, Swedish, somewhere over there, <laughs> role-playing game. It's, it's very, very, very different than Savage Worlds. And I, I, we've played, like, we've played, this will be our fourth session, and in the end of our third session, we got into our first fight. So I'm loving the story, and I'm loving the, the non-combat of it. I don't like the combat. At all, just the, mech, the mechanics. I just it. don't like the mechanics. And then I'm also playing in a five uh, E Eberron game. Oh, fun! So, so yeah, you know, it's like Shane says. A lot of us we play a lot of different things. So, you know, we talk a lot, and we love. I love Savage Worlds. I compare a lot of stuff to Savage Worlds, but you know, I'm willing to play other things. It's hard not to. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of our gaming professional life revolves around Savage Worlds. But it, again, I think the reason we ended up in Savage Worlds is. As much as other systems have certain things to offer, and we love those things, um, just all around, Savage Worlds, like the community is awesome, and the game itself is awesome. So yeah, well, and my thing with Trudvang, I've been role playing with this particular role playing group on Saturday nights for almost over twenty years, probably close to twenty five, and my whole thing is, is this is what we're playing right now. I mean, we have enough people in this Saturday night group. But we run two games. We run, we run. Uh, a game down in my buddy's basement and up in his living room. And so we've got a, a Star Wars group going and a Trudvang group going. And yeah, Trudvang's not really my thing, but I'm there with hanging out with my friends and I'm having a good time. And so that's why I'm open to try these things. Like uh, we just, uh, all of us just bought Genesis. Oh, sorry, Sacrilege. <laughs> we, another we, generic we, system. We bought another generic system, but we bought... Have I you bought, read any of it? I have. I've read a, quite a bit of it, and I bought it because it was on sale on RPG Now. The PDF was only 15 bucks. And that's the one that so came I'm out like, of like, what the Fantasy heck? Flight. It's Fantasy yeah. Flight. Basically, it's, it's Fantasy Flight's generic system using the narrative dice. So if you don't like funky dice and you don't like interpreting... Um, but what's really crazy is is my my buddy Randy, who's a, a diehard D and D person, really diehard. He loves combat, combat, combat. He just bought it, and we're sitting there last Saturday. He's playing in the Star Wars game, which is narrative. And I about had a freaking heart attack because he's sitting there on his couch, and we're all sitting around talking at the end of the night. And he goes, "You know what? Star Wars has really, really got me interested." I kind of want to run a narrative game. I was like, oh, holy fuck. 
Right. Randy wants to run a narrative game. When you see like this your rules D&D, lawyer, yeah, this D and D combat, combat, combat guy. And so I was at the the game store Thursday night in in our area, and he bought a copy of Genesis, bought a bunch of the dice because he he doesn't want to use his Star Wars dice because the Star Wars dice have different symbols oh, than the true, Genesis right, dice. Yeah. I'm like they're the same dice. I'm using my Star Wars dice if we ever play it. So yeah, I've, you know, I've, so there's, I've there's a lot that. of stuff out there. Like yeah, Don Arnold ran that. Like I. Um, he was running at, at, at Genghis and uh, in, in Star Wars, um, not Genesis. Um, so I played in a pre, uh, what do you call it, like slot zero, um, and it was fun. Um, I like the aspect of, I mean, sometimes it's bizarre, but I mean, once you get in the flow of trying to describe what you see in the dice, like oh, you have a, you have a major success, but there's also threats, you know, threats or whatever that are going to happen. Yeah, right. And it's interesting. I'm kind of add some kind of you know a little flavor to every scene um and and it's hard to do that like sometimes you know when you get narrative people kind of just jump off the narrative board and you get a player who wants to be the gm for everybody and explain right. what happens um and the um you know and it's weird like i mean i've injected some of that into savage worlds before um the uh like oh god i was playing in a bill keys game and the actually this is like with the game i cheated in where um so bill keys is using a deck of cards that i actually happen to own and it was a you know it was, it was a unique deck um kind of had a steampunk flavor to it and we're in a con game and so i said hey can i give you all six of my or five of my bennies to deal the next hand and i had palmed all the best cards out of the deck and so basically it was kind of like the finale the, the big you know it was definitely going to be the last round or last two rounds of the game but I you know the we're playing in a magical um, Arabian Nights kind of style setting and I'm like I think it'd be cool if you know we get the the ace 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 or ace king queen jack I can't remember which ones I did um, uh, you know it's probably like the joker joker ace 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 Something like that, um, you know, like the the Savage Worlds version of a royal flush, right? Right, like, exactly. N- yes, never happens. Ha ha ha! Right, and it was cool. It was great for effect, and um, and, it, and like, to me, like I, I looked at the, I, it was it was a, it was a you know calculated you know um, risk on like will you be pissed off that I'm technically cheating at your game, or is this gonna be a narratively cool because you know we're all magic, you know it's an, a magic kind of setting and this would be a cool thing. So you know it paid off because everyone was like, oh my god, how did that happen? Um, and then I was stupid and told them because like magicians should never tell them. That's right. Right? You should yeah, you a fail. That's a huge failure right there. Right? You don't you don't fail. you don't let them see behind the curtain. Right? You just don't like just make them make them wonder for forever. But the but I did want to show. I was like I kind of felt bad about you know hijacking with a GM's game. But um, but you know that was kind of, one of those things where like I'm using all my stack of pennies as a narrative or then it was like mechanically narrative because um, it wasn't so much that we were going to win if we all went first. I just kind of liked the idea that. You know, this is a big moment kind of thing. Right. But, you know, um, same thing is in the um, – we'll get to this later. Uh, well, soon enough, actually. Um, in the Buccaneer game, I got to play, and you guys ran. But there was a time where I wanted to have a little scene, like, off, you know, away from the other player characters in the in the Buccaneer game. And, I'm like, yeah, you're going to throw in a Benny and have my own little, like, narrate my own little scene. Um, you know, and that's not necessarily in Savage Worlds as a player all the time. And that's kind of like injecting. Right, but doing it every once in a while, doing it occasionally, and a GM noticing that, paying attention to that, and going, okay, yeah, why not? It's going to add something to the game. So go ahead and let them do it. And so I think with Genesis, I think it's one of those things where, like, when you're looking at those dice, if you're saying, okay, players get to interpret, or GM get to interpret, or you both get to interpret, like, at least it's, it's, it's on the table saying, hey, create some create some stuff here now. right like, and, it, and it, it it does like you said earlier it takes a little bit of work it takes a little bit of work to say okay so i succeeded 
but I rolled threats. So the GM has to kind of figure out, or uh, on the flip side, I guess I'm looking GM side. So on the flip side, player side. So I roll, I roll and I fail, but I get four advantage. So I failed. And so you're sitting, so you're sitting there at the table and you're thinking, okay, I failed, but how do I want to spend those advantage? And the books and things give you ideas and things you can do with those, but you have to wrap your head around there's, in, in, in those games, there's a lot more outcomes than pass fail. Yeah, and you have to be able to play that. And I still, to the to, to this day, I don't think that any of us in that group, and not saying that we, we're not good role players, but I don't think any of us play that narrative system as well as it should be played. I think there's a lot more we could do with it. But when you come from other game systems, it just takes your it takes a while to wrap your head around that, and and to think on your feet. Well, yeah, I think I think it, you know by all means, I think it also helps people bring cool new mechanics into Savage Worlds too. I mean, yeah, you know, like I'm sure someone someone's thinking like, how how can I have a setting rule that allow you to do blank whatever? So. So speaking of which, we mentioned Genghis Khan um, was the big debut for Buccaneer through Hell and High Water. Like, not only did you and Brett run it, like, other GMs were... Yeah. Um, we like had Steve Kellison and, and Dustin Hatchett ran it. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. had we had other people run through Hell and High Water, and then we ran our Kickstarter-exclusive game. Um, we had goodie bags for all the players. They got a T-shirt. Uh, they got um, a set of... of um, uh, booty, which are our bounties. They got a a spyglass, uh, which, which was really cool. Works. Yeah, they got a um, a little journal. So it was actually it was really cool, and we had some great players in it. Shane uh, and his wife Michelle played. So let me let me run through this. So we had Shane, Michelle, John Pennington, uh, John Pennington, a great buddy of mine, Tim Davis, another friend of mine, what? Wendy, Reichel, Reichel, Gilbert, and Whoa. Savage Bull played in it. So it was it was a really it was a really good really game. Really strong booze too. We did. Oh god. Well, we had paint thinner. <laughs> I don't I don't call what what Donnie made for us any kind of booze. Uh, we had some paint thinner, and I mean I, I drink occasionally. I had about two sips of that. Funny thing was was uh, watching Brett because you didn't pour a ton in his cup, but he downed it in one swallow. Oh poor Brett. And his you talk about his face went red it was it was funny it was good stuff but i thought the game went really well um talked to charles um our publisher about it and uh because basically i mean it was only about a three and a half hour session so we didn't get to everything we wanted to get to um, but one of the key things we wanted to show was we wanted to show what we did with ship combat and what we call a chaos situation which is kind of a chase and a dramatic task uh had a baby um, but the the ship combat seemed to work really well. Um, I wasn't there for the whole thing. I got a little sick that night, so I had to leave. But uh, um, found out from Charles um, that Shane basically, what he said, and, and people might go, oh, well, how is that good? But he said he thought it was very clever what we had done with ship combat. And Charles wrote me back and said, yeah, 
clever is good. So it may not be the way, you know, Shane would have done it, but he he liked what we did from what I heard, which made me really happy that that because I was I was kind of worried because you have you have Shane Hensley who wrote Savage Worlds and you're tweaking and changing some of some of the rules and things. I don't think Shane would ever really care unless they were just horribly done. But I was really happy to see that he had a good time and he kind of liked what we did. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a good game. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and Michelle um, Hensley's amazing. Yeah, she's great. Um, and you know we're you know we've got some stuff going on right now with the book, so uh, we'll hopefully have that. Uh, I can't. We can't say anything more than we're looking to get that out to people as soon as possible. I, I've touched the hardcover and it's amazing. So, yeah, the hard. Yeah, and I, I have a hardcover at home. It looks really really nice. So. Um, we thank everybody who backed it, all the Kickstarter backers. Um, we'll we'll get that out to you guys. I've had a lot of people. I've been very surprised. People saying, well, where can I get it? When can I buy it? So we'll get it out there to, to folks, probably put it up on RPG Now, drive through RPG, um, print on demand, I would guess, is, is how we're going to do it. So we've still got, we've still got quite, a, quite a bit going on. Sell it on the street corners. With Buccaneer. Uh, so it, we're not done with Buccaneer quite yet. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Savage Saturday Night. First, like, thanks, we got to thank Pinnacle. Pinnacle was awesome. They definitely came through for some awesome price oh, support. Awesome price support, yeah. I mean, I, I when Jody said, yeah, we're going to send you some stuff, I was, like, I was blown away by the amount of, of – of product that they sent us and what the, and what they sent us it was it was awesome yes, it thanks. was so great so thank, thank you, you Jody. so much we appreciate it although we do have to correct the record when kind of Jody Jody's like I don't really keep track of who runs the most savage worlds games Jody 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 this Rocky Mountain savages run the most savage worlds in the universe by far that's right so. that's right uh, mythic throne sent us uh uh, some digital uh, or gave us some codes for some digital product. Thank you guys. We appreciate uh, so that. thank you very much. And uh, I want I want you to talk about the last the last. Oh, oh, and let's just say this: anyone else that that may have given us price support that I don't remember because it's been about a month, and you know my mind is uh, I've had other things happen since then. I apologize. We thank everyone who gave us price support. Uh, it means the world to us that you guys are willing to give us price support. But I, I want Chris. I want you to talk about one of the really really cool things that we got yeah. for price support. So one of one of our local Rocky Mountain Savages is a wonderful artist called named Debbie No, and she hand carved two different stamps in reverse. And combined, like one with black ink, one with red ink, was a Genghis Khan forty-one with a dragon, and then you know, it's a Genghis Khan, you know, two thousand eighteen. Um, gorgeous, it was incredible, like amazing. And she put together, she made um, commemorative prints, and then um, some journals that people could keep track of, like their gaming journals, or use it for you know whatever they wanted. And um, she made a, like dozens of those. Um, for us to give out to our group. And so, yeah, we want to thank her because that's just, you know, she just stepped up and did it. And she made specific um, ones for all the GMs who ran yeah. on Savage Saturday Night. They were like, so hand, if you GM, signed. Yeah. And, and they said GM on it. So if you GM'd, uh, you know, for the Savages at Genghis, you got a special commemorative uh, journal. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, that thing is so cool. Right? It's, uh, yeah. Maybe uh, we can maybe. Uh, have you take a picture of, of yours if you and then post it to the website? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys yeah. need to see this. Yeah, it's we'll like, get that. We'll get some pictures up to the, up onto the website for that. And that's kind of the cool thing is like I mean you know part of running so many games and managing conventions and kind of growing the community here, which we do a lot of work at, is like 
just watching other people step up um, kind of out of the, the woodwork. And, like, Debbie, uh, besides being an, an amazing artist, she actually works at a an erotic cake place. Oh, her cakes are amazing. Cakes she are just amazing. put up a cake that was a, uh, uh, an NES. A perfect. Like, you t- could, you, a perfect like, NES. I'm like, like oh, my God. That is so freaking cool. Yeah, so kind of amazing. She actually did one for the Turbo Kid game that got run. Yeah, the helmet. She, yeah, the she Turbo the Kid helmet. helmet. That was freaking amazing. Right? I mean, the thing this woman can do with fondant, um, you know, besides genitalia, are pretty amazing. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a, a really famous bakery here in Denver called, um, like, Bakery Sensual. And, um, you know, they do boob and junk cakes. Um, but they do other things besides that. You know, they not, got, you know, they got nothing. My mom was making boob cakes back in the 70s. Right. You know, we still have the pan, little, you know. the um, Yeah, and as a kid, I always remember because my, my father was a fireman. And so when they would, the, the firemen would have birthdays, mom would always be making boob mm. cakes to take to the fire station for the firemen. <laughs> and when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, stop staring at the boob cake, Chris. <laughs> but I like the icing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I still remember that. I still remember. I want to put it in my mouth. That's yeah. So any anything else? Uh, anything else, Genghis wise? I mean, I uh, I played in uh, played in some good games. I ran. Um, I actually ran a Monster Hunters Club. Um, kind of. So uh, pretty much, I would call it a preview because it's not out yet. But I used the pre gens uh, that Darren and and his group had put out and the adventure. I think. I don't remember who wrote the adventure. I apologize, but it was uh, the house at the end of the street, uh, kind of a Halloween adventure that I ran in February, and had a good table. Um, it was fun. I had I had a couple of uh, had a dad and his two daughters, and was a little worried at one point that his one daughter, she's probably sixteen, seventeen, she really wasn't getting into it, and she was by the end of the game, so it was kind of fun. It's great to see that turnaround, right? Where you're like, yeah, I got to capture this player, I got to capture right. this player, yeah. and then like, yeah, then do I what I do what I can to to bring that player, and so yeah. No, the big thing with Genghis is um, we had Gilbert Gallo from all over from Italy. Oh, yeah, out. we should probably mention that Gilbert was here. Right? He was like the rock star. Like, we'd post stuff online and get like, you know, 20, 30 likes. Like, Gilbert posts, and it's like 400 people are like, Gilbert, we love you. Why don't you know? So, yeah, this guy was awesome. He ran, I played in his um, Olympus Inc. game at Genghis, and he had a really creative use of um, it wasn't so much a dramatic task, it was similar. Um, but for the central part of his game, there was kind of this competition to see who would ascend to the new leadership of the corporation. And he staged it out. He, he made a chart. And there were like 12 different tasks. I and mean, there was like a group of like five of us players or four of us players. And um, each different uh, one of the tasks could be done as either a group effort or a singular effort. Um, but we only had so many things we could go in on. So we had to be strategic about, you know, how many players want to get involved in what tasks, and depending on how many successes we got, um, we could win uh, medallions at those events that would, you know, become useful in the kind of finale as we're moving through, um, kind of this final challenge as we're moving up to the game. But yeah, he actually set the game um, at Genghis Khan at the same hotel where the convention was going on, um, but it was kind of a, an overlay, so very. You know, like a meta kind of right, you know, yeah. strategy. Yep. And uh, it was cool. Um, so there was you know, there's a geek convention going on at the exact same hotel that we were actually in at Genghis Khan. Um, but there's this whole overlay of, um, you know, the Greek god corporations. And um, so it was really clever. And without, you know, without miniatures, without a map, um, it was an interesting bit of storytelling to evoke 
you know, both strategy and cooperation and a little bit of competition amongst the players. Um, you know, depending on like you know, who who are the big you know the, the the damage doers and who are the creative arts um, and who are the persuasive people because the, the tasks were all who kind were of the kids from Fame right it was like two, two like at least two of the events were like one was like a karaoke contest or a performance contest or whatever and so things like singing and dancing or the ability the illusion so you know, some of the the tasks. Instead of actually performing well, or no, I think we did like we teamed up where one of the players was like um, like a mental manipulator type, like could you know do illusions or could could influence um, perceptions and 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 of people. So one of the players went after the judges to make the judges like fall in love with our performer, and right, our performer yeah. also performed. Yeah, and yep. Yeah, so it was a really fun game that kind of brought a really interesting bit of strategy and storytelling to Savage Worlds that um, I haven't seen done quite the same way. And um, and Joel Bear is just an awesome GM. He's very personable, very energetic. You know, he'll run around and role play with you um, as your characters. And oh yeah, uh, I played in. A, he ran a Monkey Island game. So if you ever played Return to Monkey Island, the old Lucas Arts games, which I had never played, but I, I have looked it up since then. I played in that game, and and there was one point in that game. I mean, we're in a room with. How many tables were in that room? Eight, yeah, or more, nine, or more tables in that room. And Gilbert was 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 gming and up and role playing, and all of a sudden just yells and falls on the floor, and like everybody in the room stopped and looked. And he must have laid there for it, it seemed like five minutes, but it wasn't. It, it, but he's like laying on the floor and then gets and then jumps back up, and I'm like, that, that that's a GM who gets into his NPCs and it was it was just it was so much fun right and like that was the fun the funny about that is like Steve Callison was also running his Buccaneer game that slot so and we were running Monkey Island um, and then Gilbert obviously helped us with the book um, but it wasn't technically you know Buccaneer it was Gilbert's own version of it um, but so we were both playing a pirate game that night and so we were arring each other back and oh, forth uh, across the tables you know? with, with with all the other groups and they're trying to play yeah Savages right. we uh, we are a lively bunch um, I, I, I always love it when, when they have to overflow D&D into the Savage Worlds room because those people just glare at us and look at us like what the hell are you people doing uh, we're having fun, yeah, right. and we're not. We don't have our noses in our characters. Trying, we got to get this module done in four hours so we get all the cool loot. No, we're loud, we're boisterous, we're having a good time, we're playing so many different kinds of games. I mean, come on, Monkey Island, Buccaneer, Judge, uh, Judge Dread. I mean, so many various games are played at this convention, and then you have the poor D and D guys who get stuck in there with us. Right. You know, at least they didn't put anybody in there for Savage Saturday Night uh, like they did a tactic or whatever the last con was where that poor guy was trying to plug through and still run his game. I think that was Michael Subrook. I mean, like, um, kind of tell the guy, like, you know. Um, boy, we're, boy were we, are we loud before we start before we start running games on Savage Saturday Night. Right? So we get uh, people pumped up. It's called Savage Worlds. We're the savages. It's right. going to happen. The um, So, yeah, I mean, I think Genghis Khan was kind of an unqualified success. I love the new hotel. Oh, the hotel was awesome. The um, you know, I think we're really you know hitting our stride. So well, one of the coolest things is uh, if, if I can make it work, uh, probably late summer, early fall of 2019. I'm taking a trip to Italy. 
Oh, nice. I'm going to go see Gilbert and hang out in Italy. Right. Yeah, Gilbert, uh, uh, to all of us, everybody he met, come on over to Italy, come to Italy, come see me. And I'm like, I'm going to take him up on it. Right, let's do it. I think I'm going to skip Gen Con in 2019 and take a trip to Italy. Yeah, and there's some good game cons over there. Interesting, like, if you haven't seen it yet, um, Gilbert did a write-up on, it's on the Pinnacle site, if you go to peginc.com, he did a write-up on the difference between American conventions as represented by Genghis, obviously. Yeah, because this was um, his first one, right? First um, American convention? I think so. I think so. I think he's yeah. been to America before, but I don't think he's gamed the convention here right. before. And, um, you know, and Genghis is a pretty good representative of you know, what we do. And um, and then he compared that to Italian con- conventions. And, you know, getting to talk to him because I was kind of his host um, while he was here. And we, we did, you know, various mountain adventures and food adventures and kind of fun Colorado stuff too. But um, in Italy, it sounds like they will have half an hour game slots. Yeah, it's more business oriented, he was saying. Yeah. and Somebody just, comes and shows their game and they want to get their game published and they want to get their game out there in front of as many people as possible because they're trying to, it's a it's a business kind of thing for them, which I found very weird. Yeah, I, I can't imagine getting into and out of anything. I mean, Savage Worlds is fast, but seriously, how do you demo like GURPS or in a half hour know, or an D&D? hour? I mean, yeah. It's like, really? Like, you really got to just get in and like, to people who've never played before? Oh, no, man, that'd be... That'd be amazing. So maybe Gilbert gets some some longer form game conventions going in Italy. Yeah, go out and read. Go out and read his article. So, so yeah, it's on the Peg site and and um, good article, interesting you know, feedback. But the um, yeah, so Genghis is awesome. If you guys want to come out for Genghis, like we have Savage uh, Rocky Mountain Savage members from all over the country. Um, we have really cool shirts this year, and since the printer screwed up and is actually going to do another run for us, um, a rare opportunity that if you want. An awesome Rocky Mountain Savages shirt. Um, just go to our website, RockyMountainSavages.com, and on the front page, there's a PayPal link. It's like 21 bucks. They're really awesome. They're blue with a Colorado flag on it, and like the the middle of the Colorado flag um, has got our Rocky Mountain Savages logo on it. Yeah, that this was uh, Chris does all the designs for our T-shirts, and I you knocked it out of the park on this. This is my favorite Rocky Mountain Savages shirt. Yeah, I mean, I, I wear my I wear my Savages shirts, but. The this the one from this year I've probably worn more since Genghis than any of my other ones. I just I love it. It's just it's so freaking cool. Right, and it's just cool Colorado too. I mean, like you know the other ones, you know, people might not recognize like oh you know oh what are the savages whatever. But this one's got like really Colorado flair on it, and like Colorado's hip now. Everyone wants to come to Colorado That's for right. some reason. I don't know why they're coming. Yeah. No, don't come. Um, well, come for Genghis. So, anyways, like we're gonna be at the same hotel. Um, guys, come to Genghis. We want. Uh, you know, we're promising awesome international guests. Colorado um, in February. What could be better? Right? I mean, we had awesome weather and it snowed. And that, like, those aren't con- contradictory. Um, oh, no. I mean, one day it was like, what, 50, 60 degrees. And which overnight, is, it, it was overnight it snowed a little bit. And then it warmed up. It was great. Yeah. So it was awesome. Um, you know, ask Gilbert. I think we're going to approach Wade Wiggy Williams to be our guest for next Genghis Khan. Oh, that, oh boy. That would be a, that would be a great get if we could get Wiggy to come out. I've met Wiggy once at Gen Con. Very cool guy. He runs Triple Ace Games. Um, got some really great products out there. And they're also branching into board games and things like that. So, yeah, if we could get Wiggy to come out. Out. Another international guest. Oh, that'd be right. so cool. We're, like Jody and everybody else, we are the only Savage Worlds convention who has ever brought out an international guest. And now we're going to do more of it. So Yeah, I, I don't know. Gen Con might, might have been, you could count Gen Con, but I say for a, a small local, I'm sure we're probably, I don't, I, don't, I don't know anybody else that's done that. 
Right? I mean, did Gen Con actually bring anybody out, really? Or you kind of you well, go to Gen well, you Con? Well, you go to Gen Con. They don't bring people out. You go to Gen Con. I, well, because Wiggy was at Gen Con a, co- a couple times, but he was he had a booth. Yeah. So, you know, he's there working. So, I guess, yeah, I guess if you want to say bringing him in as a guest to play games and things. Yeah. Right? And they yeah. play games. Like, you can sit next to, like, the guy who wrote the game and his wife. Yeah. And they're awesome. Yeah. Or, like, the guy who does all the rules and his wife, and they're awesome, too. Those are the blacks. Yeah. Cool. Awesome folks. I don't know if you've been noticing, Chris, but it seems like lately, um, Savage Worlds and uh, Kickstarter are uh, there's a ton of, of stuff out there. Savage Worlds and, and Kickstarter are starting to. Uh, I don't know what I was trying to say there. Uh, yeah, I mean we're all over it. They're all like, of that's it. Yeah, I just I lost my track. All over Kickstarter right now. Uh, there's like I know of three uh kickstarters that are currently going on right now um so i wanted to kind of run through those give people a chance to take a look at those uh first one is uh from sean patrick fannin uh his freedom freedom squadron yeah uh, it's funded so fully it's funded happening. it's happening they're they're looking now to get to stretch goals um i think it's over twenty thousand dollars so they're looking to get to stretch goals and sean uh and eagle evil beagle geez i can't talk all of a sudden are really pulling out all the stops for for this game yeah if I mean, you haven't heard like spyglass games did a board game yeah. kickstarter like two years ago maybe? yeah venom assault and it's totally just like a love letter to gi joe so venom instead of you know um the aforementioned named property trademark don't use their actual name um so instead of cobra it's venom and um i haven't played in freedom squadron but i've played gi joe savage worlds with joe thomas and I know Joe um, was helping out um, Sean. Yo, Joe. Right? Joe is one of our amazing GMs. He almost always like either tries to or does Iron GM, the conventions, um, in like a dozen different styles. Like he's done Alien Colonial Marines. He's got a, a USS Constitution post-apocalyptic with on a, like, a sailing ship game. Like amazing GM. Um, and I played G.I. Joe with him. And he, over the years, he's statted up like all the G.I. Joe characters. And I don't mean just like, I don't know, the 12 or so who show up on the cartoons, like all the ones from the comics too. Like, wow. Like hundreds. That's some work. Right? Um, but Joe's a former Marine, so I think it's, you know, a little labor of love. But um, yeah, look for Free- Freedom Squadron. So glad you got that right. So glad you got that right. Because I don't want emails and people getting upset with us. Former Marine. I lived with a bunch of former Marines and I somebody called them one of them an ex-Marine one time. Ooh. You never that stop was a, being a Marine. That's right. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So yeah, they've got some great stuff going out. They've got they've got like people um, on their their um, roster for the different commandos, all the different people who have played, and they're putting out tweets. Oh yeah, the and whole Twitter videos thing is cool. and so much cool stuff for this game. So so check and, it out. And Corinne like totally cosplayed at Genghis. Oh yeah, cool. oh they the, the Genghis thing they did for Freedom Squadron at Genghis was huge. Um, the next one, uh, uh, Savage Tokusatsu, which are like stompy robots, um, kaiju mechs, and heroes for Savage Worlds. Um, it's also already funded. Like I you know three days in. Yeah, um, funded with twenty seven days to go. 
So, so it's uh, transforming heroes, kaiju running amok, giant robots versus the monster of the week, and more built for the Savage Worlds rule set. Yeah, like Pacific Rim. You know? So get out there, check that out. And then the other one is a dinosaur protocol for Savage Worlds. It's uh, They're halfway to their goal of twenty. Uh, $2,850. It's a post-apocalyptic tabletop role-playing game of adventure and discovery in the jungles and plains of a world grown wild and strange. Dinosaurs are cool. Yeah. I, I haven't seen people do dinosaurs yet, Savage was kind of one of the things. So yeah, I mean, hey, if you want dinosaurs for Savage Worlds, like who doesn't? Um, even just for like the stats alone, like... You know, what's a stat, what's a Savage Worlds T Rex look like, right? Or a Velociraptor? Or yeah, I think this is gonna ha- I think this is gonna have it for you. I hope it does, because like that sounds fun. And now you had found a couple that look really, really cool. They're yeah. n- they're not Savage Worlds, but that's okay. Let's 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 discuss a, just real quick a little bit about them. Yeah, so there are two of them. Like one the art on both of these is amazing and very different. Now the first one is Cartel, um, which is a they build as a Mexican narco fiction RPG. And really interesting, kind of splashy, neon-y, vector-style art on that. And basically, um, the the concept behind the game is you play um, someone who's wrapped up in the drama of the Mexican drug cartels um, uh, set in, I think, Durango in Mexico. Um, Looks amazing. I mean, the, the kind of concepts and stories you can play there are really intriguing. Like, I, I've recently watched a show called Queen of the South, and um, I got into that because the same author, um, I think Arturo Perez, um, he may even have another last name, um, who wrote Queen of the South, also wrote one of the other, um, uh, a movie and book that I really enjoyed called The Club Dumas, um, after Alexandre Dumas. And um, so I went and read the, the other book and then got into the TV show. So I watched it in the English, and I think it should be available on either Netflix or Amazon. And um, I think USA is doing the TV series in English as well. And then, like, after I caught up on that, I'm like, well, I'm going to go watch the one that's in, like, the telenovela in Spanish and could understand enough of it to go along. Um, Really kind of compelling. I mean, like, that one story um, has a female who starts out as, you know, a drug mule or a money – she starts out as a money trader, uh, money exchanger, and then to a drug mule. Then she's dating a guy in the cartel, and the guy moves up, and then he gets killed. And then she decides that, you know, she needs to be – become you know kind of a capo and then he becomes a queen of her own cartel i mean it's a, kind of an amazing you know narrative within this drug crime kind of like breaking bad but south of the border kind of world and um so get yeah, controversial a little bit because you know you're dealing with uh a little more of things that are current events and a little more sensitive but i don't know to me there's amazing role-playing and storytelling opportunities in a yeah there's like a, that. that's kind of a, a popular um genre right now because you have uh it's netflix that has the show narcos yeah yeah and a lot of uh, pablo escobar uh true crime movies and things like that have come out yeah so yeah it's kind of kind of uh i don't want to say hip right now (laughs) that sounds kind of weird but it kind of is kind of kind of the kind of one of the the hip things right now is that type of that type of gritty you know, action and gritty kind of, of drug world and underworld type of stuff. Right. And I think if you handle it correctly, um, it can be really kind of fun and interesting. I mean, there's that movie, I mean, probably even 10 years ago at this point, like Traffic, where Catherine Zeta Jones and the whole cast was, you know, kind of show the different aspects of, of the, um, you know, that world. So, just, you know, again, not for Savage Worlds, maybe a little controversial for Savage Worlds licensee, but. And let me throw um, this out there. Probably Savage Worlds wise, the two that, while we were sitting here, the two that popped into my mind, if you really, if you look at it and you go, well, how could we do this in Savage Worlds? Uh, Streets of Bedlam. Totally. Jason Blair and Tropicana. 
Yeah. You could use either one of those. And Tropicana has uh, different dials that you can turn to make Tropicana feel how you want. That's a, it's a pretty cool setting. I haven't had a chance to play it. I've read it. Uh, but those two jumped uh, jumped to my mind uh, as Savage Worlds options. Um, you know, if you're if you're not looking to learn a new system, but maybe even look at that system and you know back it, get the books and crib stuff from it. Right? Why not? And then the other one also just happening to do with um, south of the border in Americas, but a very different time period is called Dragons Conquer America. And um, two, um, I think, uh, uh, Spanish authors on this one. I think they're from Bilbao. Yeah, Spain. Um, yep. And uh, so they maybe maybe they are Basque. They're not Spanish. They are Basque. And um, this one looks amazing. It's set um, like early 1500s in America, and there's a major fantastical element. So instead of just being about you know European versus um, native um, conflict, it's dragons. And so. On the European side, like the Europeans have, and their dragon myths um, are much more, um, you know, humans have either conquered dragons or partnered with dragons um, and used dragons as war mounts um, or as counsel. And then in the Americas, um, the dragon, and then those are scaled dragons. And then in the Americas, you have feathered dragons, um, like the Quaddles. And they apparently are... Um, yeah, Chris knows about this. Chris has an awesome quaddle tattoo. Um, the uh, the feathered dragons are gods to the natives, and so the, the power dynamic in in the Americas is kind of the reverse. The, the dragons are are viewed as gods, worshipped as gods, and so that's kind of the the the, the dragon conflict uh, as well as the. Um, uh, you know, human um, dynamics. And it, it one, the art looks amazing. Like oh, it's whoever, beautiful. Whoever did the art direction, I want to like hire them because they're just fantastic. I mean, the, the dragons look very evocative. The the sample characters are all just really, really well done. Um, and I think they're rebooting this one um, probably after some early criticism. And again, that's, that, that's the current thing, right? Like you can't write a game about anything but your own culture or else people are going to yell at you. Um, whatevs. The, um, it looks like they've actually done their work. They, they have, like in the Kickstarter, they mentioned some scholars they've worked with about, you know, having an authentic twist to the time period and the cultures that are being dealt with, um, which is cool. I mean, like, I'm all for that. More authenticity it also kind of means more creativity as well because truth is often stranger than fiction. And um, so, yeah, that one just looks amazing. And it, and it really, you know, it hits, hits close to home because I'm also writing a game in that within a decade of that time period. And my plan was like, you know, version two or three of my game would be dealing with America as well. So um, I don't know. I haven't really brought in the dragons like they are, but the it sounds fun. I mean, just dragons and the Aztecs, who they call the Mexica, and um, the conquistadors and just the cultures. And it looks gorgeous. And there's actually within the, if you read the mechanics, they have mechanics for um, prejudice and tolerance as well. Interesting. Um, which, I mean, I, I want to see how they do it, but it, it sounds like it'd be a really interesting kind of dynamic on not running away from those issues. And I, I know for some people, you you know, you kind of want to, you know, it's my fun Saturday night. Let's not have this be an issue. But sometimes, hey, man, if you want to go there and do it respectfully, it's a, uh, you know, a role-playing opportunity. So um, check out that Kickstarter as well, Dragons Conquer America. Um, it's a really big funding goal, like – I think it's in euros. Yeah, it's a little hefty to get into. 
Yeah, I, you you kind of want to buy the books because I think you're going to be in for a hundred bucks no matter what. Because I think they wanted like sixty bucks just for the PDF. Forty seven, I saw. Or forty seven, okay. For the PDFs. So, uh, but if you look at it, I mean, they're making a pretty big, sizable book, and there's uh, adventures already, whatever. Uh, but I think the reason they're going there is they just really are. It's arted out. It's, it's going to be beautiful. So let's uh, let's uh, move in. <laughs> this has been a, a good uh, banter session, but uh, I don't think we've talked this long in a long time before we got to the kind of meat of the show. So uh, we've got a couple things we want to talk about uh, uh, for core topics on the show. So we got an email uh, a while back uh, from Daniel C. Uh, sorry, Daniel, it's taken us a little bit of time to to get your email. We had a convention. Um, yeah, we're going to work a little bit better on getting getting to emails and things like that. I know I always say that every time, but it's good. I like we, we like getting emails, so uh, we'll get you guys the email address at the end of the show. We want more of these because it helps us come up with topics. So um, Daniel said very nice things about he us. He did but... say very nice things about us, and, and, and his, he's – I'm going to just go ahead and read this. He says, I'm curious about what books uh, do you personally think is a must-have for people to jump into the game? Uh, I know the main book is all you need, but would be interested in your top 10 best ancillary books. So, yeah. So, so, and he said he, you know, he, he, he likes superpowers. He likes horror. Uh, he's looking forward to monster hunter our monster hunters club. Uh, and so, uh, we kind of, each of us kind of thought a little bit about the, the different books. So, um, just want we'll just each run through our list and, and kind of talk about our list a little bit how's that sound yeah i mean i don't know if i've already confessed this but i'm not a big book collector for savage worlds i own the hardback of the deluxe edition and that's kind of the only book that stays in my hands because you know i will buy the other books and it's almost like one of these things where buy it run it play it and give it to someone else to be like you need to play this you need to run this and so i think right now um, the only other book, I mean, we've got the, I've got the Deadlands um, hardback, but that's for the the Savage Legion, uh, the Twilight Legion, which is the Living Deadlands campaign we run. So that's for the club, and then I've got that Detroit Cop book. Oh, Thin Blue Line. Yeah, Thin Blue Line. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to read that before I passed it along, but bizarrely enough, um, some people really collect, uh, and I love books. I, mean, <laughs> I do. My my game. I'm a collector. Right, like the game I'm writing is literally a love letter to books, um, but the. Um, you know, I keep them all. I keep all the Savage World stuff in PDF, and then you know we give stuff away for Savage Saturday Night and all that kind of stuff. So, I, I only have like really like the one book, which I mean makes me sound weird because I spend all this time with Savage Worlds. But um, I kind of just want to mention like I, instead of doing the must-haves, I don't know that it really is um, a must-haves. But my my contributions to this list were going to be settings that were um, I played when I first got into the hobby and first got into Savage Worlds that might not have the um, recognition now because they're not being you know, uh, new additions or supported as well, but um, that are really awesome to pick up. So whether you pick them up online or you find them in a bookstore or whatever. Um, the first two, uh, I love the pulp aspect of Savage Worlds. I think it, it plays just so easily and nicely in pulp. Well, that's all, all, that's all Savage Worlds can do. 
Savage Worlds can only do pulp. I know. I hate that argument. Like, no, it can't. But if you anyway, want to do sorry. pulp, right? Like, That's a whole other argument. I love running Indiana Jones games. I mean, I build temples, and I have little figures, and I have a little Hitler figure that always shows up, and everyone likes to smack it and kill it, which is fun. Um, the Daring Tables of Adventure is the one that I picked up to run. And so there's some cool mechanics in there. Triple A's Games puts it out. Um, the, the other one that's also... Not to be confused with, but also a really good book, um, Thrilling Tales. So there's Daring Tales of Adventure, and there's Thrilling Tales, and Adamant puts out Thrilling Tales. Triple Ace Games put out Daring Tales of Adventure. And, and Adamant and uh, Thrilling Tales has gotten a new, I think, a new edition, and they're getting, they're, they're, Adamant is supporting uh, Daring Tales right now, so you're getting some support for that game. Yeah. By, and, just uh, as an aside there. Yeah, and Daring Tales definitely came out with, like, multiple books. I mean, they were, they were putting out oh, multiple Yeah, there's, there's stuff and, out there. So you can, I mean... It's not quite the same as like a flood or you know a major pop one campaign, but you can run months and months worth of adventures with what they put out. So those are my favorite to be like, hey, just, you know, get in pulpy, get in a little savage uh, Indiana Jones style. Um, another one I think is really fun, really creative. Um, Kenneth Height wrote it. Um, the uh, day after Ragnarok. Very cool concept, you know, like the, the the great snake comes up and there's Ragnarok and it dies and then you're, you know, you've got cultures mining it for its tissues and the magical. Yeah, properties. it was killed by it was killed by an atomic bomb by the Enola Gay flew into its into its mouth. Yeah, and right? blew it up. It was awesome. So just, I mean, you know, I mean that's a great game. Sorry to interrupt. I I ran at a con a while back. Um, it, it, again, I'll, I'll I'll preface this by saying this was not my idea. It was a great idea, but not mine. It was a a gentleman named Ryan who ran it for the at Genghis. Um, but I, I kind of changed it and changed the name of it. I called it the Redenbacher Retrieval. So it was day after Ragnarok, and they had to actually go save Orville Redenbacher. Of popcorn uh, fame? Yes, from from uh, the um, Iowa Soviets who were trying to get him and all and all their intelligent, their intelligent monkeys were trying to capture him because he had bred a strain of corn that was non-tainted that you could grow and it wouldn't be tainted. And so they had to go save him before he was captured by the Iowa Soviet uh, so that they could steal his his corn um, uh I don't want to say recipe, but his idea for for his strain, his, his strain of his corn, yeah, GMO, yeah. I mean, like, see, I mean, when you when you pull a little sentence out like that, like, wait, there's there's sentient monkeys. Well, the, that's my favorite part. The, the Soviets are in Iowa. I mean, there's there's just so much cool world building that's just right there for you to just play around with. That's I mean, so much fun. And um, yeah, the other games that I, I come to mind, um, Sean Preston, um, he was a con fixture when I first got involved with the Savages. And um, he has some really, really fun settings. Um, Iron Dynasty, uh, he runs Rally Blurs. Um, Iron Dynasty, which is um, like uh, Meiji, Tokugawa era, Japan, but with like stompy robots that are made out of like bamboo mecha. Yeah, sweet. And right, like just That's good bamboo stuff. mecha. Bamboo stompy robots. Come on, guys. I mean, like, like, that's just cool. Um, Agents of Oblivion, which is like their spy. Games you can definitely do, you know, Born, Mission Impossible, um, you know, style games with Agents of Oblivion. Yeah, that game's got a lot of you can. That's got dials you can twist to make it what you want. It's really cool. And um, Ravaged Earth also cool, like a pulpy setting. Martian Attack. Yeah. Uh, think think of a, a pulpy uh, War of the Worlds is really what it is. It's kind of an homage, I would think, to War of the Worlds. Right. And he did a second edition on that one, which is what I picked up. Uh, really, really good book. 
So yeah, that's my list. I mean, like none of these are things you have to have. I don't think you have to have any books for Savage Worlds except the core. Um, but just, I mean, these are like you pick up one book and you can tell really fun, cinematic fun, different stories, different worlds. Um, yeah, so that's my list. All right, so my list, uh, I will say right off the bat um, for Daniel, uh, because you said horror, you said superpowers, the companions. I think the companions are not a must-have, but very, very worth your while and very worth your money. Now, I would say with that, I might wait for a little while because there's some changes coming with Savage Worlds Black, and they're redoing some of the companions. Um, so you may not want to get them right away, um, but all, all of the companions. So there's the sci-fi companion, the horror companion, and the superpowers companion. Those three, um, I would say for me, because it's my favorite setting uh, to run and play in, Deadlands, any of the Deadlands stuff, well, and there's just so much there, guys. Is, I mean, you can you can go back to the original Deadlands and pull those off the shelf for ideas. Yeah, and, for, and there's uh, and they have conversion documents. How do I convert classic Deadlands to Deadlands Reloaded? Um, Carl Kiesler, our good buddy Carl, and the guys over at Doghouse Rules just put out a 150 page PDF called Fort Griffin Savaged. It is a town in northern Texas that is completely mapped out there are um i don't even remember i should have written this down but but all of the the buildings saloons the bank the jail all the all these main buildings all get like a two to three page spread that tells you all about the building the personalities you're gonna see there, adventure hooks it's a great great book and carl did all the maps for it uh so i'm kind of reading that right now because i'm running deadlands and so this is going to be uh, come in very very handy for me yeah right i mean i i just love what all the community's doing out there there's so much good stuff outside out. of savage worlds engine publishing i would say look at eureka which is 501 plot ideas and look at masks which is 501 npcs you can take the masks and eureka book put them together and come up with an entire campaign, just pulling plots out of Eureka, NPCs out of masks. Uh, Engine Publishing does a lot of, I mean, they have a, I have every one of their books. Um, they have a book about imp, uh, improvising. They have a book about running a campaign that are outside the the masks and Eureka set uh, kind of books. Uh, there's also a book out there. It's, it's been out for a while, but it's called The Ultimate Character's Guide. Uh, for Savage Worlds. Great book. Uh, just some different ways to create characters and uh, new edges, new hindrances, those types of things. So um, those are my those are my, my biggies that I would say, um, Daniel. So look at those. Again, the companions, of course, are probably going to be the biggest ones. Um, he did have another question. He said, uh, um, another question, as you guys put out your own setting, how would one go about putting out a new setting? I feel it could be an episode all by itself. I'm not great with art and, and know nothing about graphic design, but I have several good ideas and would love to see them in print. Uh, what would you suggest? Where would you start? Who do you talk to, etc.? cetera? Uh, I can tell you none of us are, well, except for Chris. Uh, Chris is an artist. Brett and I are not artists. We are not graphic design guys. We hired that out. Chris did our logo. He did a lot of cool art for us. So, uh, you know, find people out in the community. Uh, go to Fiverr. We went to Fiverr for some of our artwork. Um, Publisher-wise, you know, we, we sent um, our stuff to Charles White from Fabled Environments, and it was pretty straightforward getting him to, to read our stuff and jump on with us. So... Um, 
I will say that Richard Wolcock uh, has a great series about this because Richard just put out um, Horde of the God. What is Horde of the Goblin? Saga of Saga the Goblin, of the Goblin Horde. Horde. Which I, our host David Garrett ran yeah. at Genghis, which we want to talk about because I played in it. And he put he put out a whole series about how did he make his game. And he he self-published it, but he's got an entire series about the the steps that he went through. Um, and his website is called GodWars2.org. So uh, G-O-D-W-A-R-S-2.org. We'll put that up in the show notes. I think we should have Richard on the show. I think we should, we'll too. And, yeah, and I think, uh, Daniel, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, not answer a lot of these questions and uh, do an episode on it. I think I think that's a really good idea. So we'll bring Richard on, uh, talk with him, see if we can bring him on, and we'll we'll do a whole show on that. So, so I mean, the first thing is like j- get your ideas down on paper. You don't have to build. I mean, it's really tempting. Outline. Get I, an outline. You know, I, I'm doing this on my own. Like I'm, I'm 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 acquiring art and I'm thinking about layout and like get the words down on paper first. And you'd be surprised. Like in other parts of the industry, the more we learn about it, like you know. You might have ideas about layout, but you know a lot of these companies just hire it all out, and so you know you're paying for it and you're, you have input, but someone else is actually doing that work for you, and so you don't have to worry about it. And there, you know, um, I know Rick Hershey, who is, um, I think Rick Hershey did a lot of the art um, as stock art that Richard Wolcock used in his book, and he did most of our, and he, he did, did the vast majority of our artwork, and he did our layout, and he did our layout, and so you know he's fantastic. His prices are not astronomical. I mean, you know definitely start saving and because art is kind of one of the biggest things you do because it's it's weird it's almost like you know I, i've joined several groups on on facebook that are either kickstarter groups or industry insider groups and you'll see people you know lamenting the fact that you know god i i really wanted to be an artist or a cartographer or another kind of layout person for the industry but it just doesn't make enough money and yeah i really hate it when people try to haggle with me but you also realize like it's what the market supports. So you know, n- none of us are going to be a Monty Cook or you know a Pathfinder or a D and D and have every single page is having you know full color custom you know art on it. And I know I know some of the industry they they they, they, they can they demand that out of players. Or you think they do, um, but you know art's expensive. Um, and, and if you think about it, like. If you're going to spend like say a hundred or two hundred dollars per piece of art for custom made color, um, how many pieces of art can you afford if your game is only going to sell four thousand dollars worth? Right. Right. Like, exactly. Not that many. I mean, the, the math starts becoming really apparent that it's very hard to be you know on that on that on that border. So. Um, Richard's done an amazing job of it with Saga of the, Dragon, of the Goblin Horde. Um, obviously, he's very talented himself and put together a lot of the, you know, the work. And oh, he's done. Um, and his his website's very cool. He's got like like character generators and NBC generator. I mean, his his site is awesome. This guy he's pretty darn uh, um, plur- how do you say it? Prolific? Pl- Prolific? I can't say the word. Uh, prolific. Prolific with Savage Worlds. God, right? 
Yeah, like who has the time to do all this stuff? I mean, I know we're like running the largest average worlds club and the largest average worlds conventions and all that kind of stuff to be like, I mean, man, we're printing a book. I don't feel like we have enough time for all the stuff we're doing, let alone what some of these other people are like. Carl Kiesler is amazing. I think, you know, I, we'll do another whole another episode or two or three or five on this because, you know, we're learning along the way as you are. And I think if, if we peel back some of the mystery on how these things get made and, um, you know, who, where you should hire and where you should try to do your own work. But um, the, the one thing you can't really do is hire out your own passion and idea. So get your passionate idea down on paper first and um and then we'll bring in other people we'll bring in people who you know we'll 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 talk about the people who we used who we hired out for adventures to pad out um you know what we were offering and we'll talk about you know how to hire a layout person and we'll yeah we'll we'll, we'll get a whole episode or couple or several into that um you know obviously if, if you're not the artist not the graphic person like We'll help you figure out, you know, what what's a budget for that, and you know, all of it kind of comes down to your standards. Whether you're doing color or black and white, how many pieces you want, and, size of the book, yeah, the size of the book that matters. And, I mean, all these little things that you wouldn't you wouldn't think of that actually have a make a big difference, uh, you know, because for us, we double we basically doubled the size of our book. So oh. it's costing us much more to get it printed. It's costing us more to ship it out, but we weren't. We weren't gonna. There wasn't a lot of stuff we could cut, so we're just we're just kind of. It is what it is. It's it's costing us a lot more money, and it's 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 going to be. You know, we may not make as much on it as we as we had thought. We didn't think we were going to make a lot on it anyway. It was kind of a something that for the first time was like we had never done it before, and so let's just go out and let's give it a shot and see if it works. But uh, you know, so there's there's tons of things to consider. Right. And like you, you'd be surprised. Like I mean, I've I've talked a little bit with Richard about this um, I, privately. Not that not it was a private conversation. You know, not actually private, but just you know, like one on one. Like, and it, I think you'd be surprised about like if we if we look at Saga the Drug of the Goblin Horde, because I mean that that looks super professional enough to be its own kickstarted launch. Yeah, I I, 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 mean, I thought he got it professionally done. Yeah, I but, was so surprised when I found out he self published. Right, and um, so you know, I think we'll talk to him about that. Like you know, like the, not only just why he self publishes versus got it done, um, mostly because um, I, mean, I know another reason why. But the um, on the art, like there's a difference between using stock art and custom art, and so I think he saved a lot in his budget by by writing a setting that took advantage of stock art that was available for reasonable prices in the community. And um, so you might even see those pieces, some of the pieces from that book in other people's work because it's, you know, it's stock art. But, and that's kind of the thing is, you know, don't be too precious about your baby to think that you need to have everything on a Numenera, you know, oh my God, it's gorgeous out of the kick, you know, and every, right. every it's 400 pages. Monty Cook, Monty Cook, we are not. Right? Like, I mean, those guys, you, 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 you work your way up there, but I mean, I think you can do, you know, to me, nothing, even knowing, oh yeah, like, okay, so Saga the, the Goblin Horde has a bunch of, of stock art in it. I wouldn't have noticed or cared. And I'm like, man, but it looks so gorgeous anyways. And she's just figuring out, you know, things like that. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll bring on Richard and we'll bring on some other, you know, um, freelance people and we'll just talk about what to expect. I mean, no one likes to talk about money and rates and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of one of those things like, oh, my God. But you need to know that. You need to, you know, someone needs to talk about it because how else do you know, like, do I need to be a millionaire or do I need to mortgage my house or do I need to take a second job? Like, how do these things get published? But, um you know, and now that you know, Fox and I um, are doing. We're actually doing another project. I was going to say. I was going to say. Let's tease. Right. Uh, we can't say. We can't say really 
uh, anything anything about it more than we are uh, part of a team working on a new project for Savage Worlds. Yeah, and mm-hmm. more stuff will be coming out. There'll be stuff on this show. Uh, we may end up even being able to to do a few, you know, get some more shows out once we get going on this because we have some things we kind of want to do with this. Um, so yeah, uh, stay tuned. So yeah, and, you know, and not to be coy, but like the yeah, and we're learning along the way, like the uh, this. This new project we're doing is very different from a intellectual property rights standpoint than Buccaneer was. Um, and so, again, we're learning along those lines. And we're working with, um, you know, the, the guy who's spearheading it is, um, you, you might have heard of his name so far, but he's a... Um, He's a great guy in our community, um, but he'll be, he'll be able to bring in a different perspective when we, we bring him on the show just about what it means to be a writer and a freelancer and to get published and to work your way into the industry, both either publishing or writing or and game publishing. Um, so we, we'll have some different perspectives on this over the next you know several shows. So, um, you know, thanks for the idea. And, um, I, you know, it's definitely not one we can answer, you know, succinctly or briefly, but I think it's, it's good information to have out there. I mean, I'm sure... You know, just seeing what Carl puts out for free and what Richard has put out for free um, to the community, I mean, inspires a lot of the other savages. To, yeah, and I've seen know. we've seen David has a copy of Richard's book in soft cover that he got printed uh, print on demand. I mean, even that it's beautiful as a print on demand book. So go check out Richard's stuff. Yeah, and I think he just. I'm speaking of new stuff. Um, right now on it's not Savage World specific, but about a month ago he posted. Richard posted a topic to the Savage Worlds Facebook group on if you were going to do a vampire versus zombie mashup game, which themes, which style vampires, and which style um, uh, zombies would you want to see? And um, he put out, I think he put it out like two or three days ago. Yeah. It's already top 10. Blood and Bile yeah, is what it's bile. called. So look for Blood and Bile. And it's pay what you want. So you can get it for free. And if you love it, you can pop down 100 bucks or pop down a dollar or pop yeah. down five bucks, whatever. Um, funny, fun concept. And it'd be fun if you can go back to that thread and just read what other people were talking about on, on which style, you know, do you want to do the... As long as it's not, as long as it's not Twilight style vampires. Uh, the, the one I thought was funny, um, True Blood, which is Southern Vampires, uh, meets Walking Dead. So it'd be a lot of, suck it, Carl, suck it, Carl. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the awful Southern attempts, like British actors doing Southern accents, like such fantastic trash. Um, but yeah, that was my vote, I think. Um, but yeah, so the yeah, Blood and Bile, um, check that out. And that's the thing is like you can see um, you know, what it takes. Like some of the software is expensive, so maybe you don't want to, you know, or, you know. Like end design and those types of things for layout, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, like, if you want to learn those skills and you're thinking, hey, I got a three- or five-year deadline to get my stuff out, I will learn these skills and I will put away some money to buy the software and do as much as I can. Or, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to learn eventually, but I'd rather just get my game out, so I'm willing to spend 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever it takes to have someone else lay it out. And it all just depends on how long it is and how complicated it is. So, um, yeah, I think we'll answer those as we get to them. But, um, Richard, if you're listening, we'll have you on the show. Um, Call us or we'll call you. Um, But, yeah, speaking of which, speaking of the Savage Worlds Facebook page, there have been some interesting threads on there. And uh, I generally stay off online forums because – I have a very mm, overly logical and dispassionate way of writing that pisses some people off. No. 
You never would have guessed. And so, I mean, I'm willing to debate and then put up a wall of text and just, you know, kind of like high school debate, you know, like where you just really get into it and get serious. And sometimes more, a little more casual people find that a little bit mm, overkill. Well, so, that's why you're a bull. You're a I, bully. You're a jerk. Right? So I've, I've, I've consciously decided to stay off of the Savage Worlds forums and mostly the Savage Worlds page. But whenever I do show up, like I kind of get scolded for being like obnoxious. And um, But there have been some interesting threads. I haven't commented on them, but I think some of the material on them is worth commenting on. And there was one recent thread that was a, um, here's the concept. Is it okay or interesting or useful to start out new players playing Savage Worlds by stripping away edges and hindrances? under the theory that it's more simple for people to get and you're not overcomplicating the Just game. Just use the core mechanic. Core mechanic without edges and hindrances. And you know, this turned into hundreds of posts and comments. And um, I and, and it got a little heat. I'm an admin for the Facebook page, so I see all the back the the the, the back end stuff of this of, of us admins talking to each other and and going, ooh, okay, how, what do we feel about this? We need to keep an eye on this. This one's going to blow up. Uh, so there was some, some stuff on the back end of this um, this this whole post. And so yeah, so I mean, I think for like the last little topic we've got, can you play Savage Worlds without edges and hindrances? And I'd like to have a diversity of opinions here, but I think Fox and I really agree. The answer is no. No. I mean, I, I put down on my notes, if you aren't using edges and hindrances, are you actually even playing Savage Worlds? Not really. Not really. I, I mean... I, those are role-playing opportunities. Those are character-building opportunities. Those are for a new person to come sit down at the table, and they have the quick edge. Okay. Qu quick edge kind of tells you a little bit about their character and all the quick edge does is you get you can't get lower than a five on your card i don't find that mechanically confusing i don't find that overly complicated where as a new person i'm gonna shut down at the table because oh my god i have quick i don't know what to do with this yeah, right? And it's you're not even like you're not we're definitely not playing a role-playing game because to me the edges and hindrances certainly there are tactical ones, but they're also where the role playing shines, where you get hints on how to play your character and how to be different from the other people at the table. And so without edges and hindrances, you're playing like a tabletop strategy or a, you know a, a, a like a, a move figures around a hex map game. But even then, without all the mechanical ones, not even a very good one. Um, but, I mean, where's the... It's, to me, the, the, the edges and hindrances are, are where the characters shine. I mean, sure, you can put a D12 in Vigor and try to explain what that means, but that's never going to be as evocative as a player to play a D12 Vigor as it is to play edges and hindrances to play arrogant or overconfident or even quick or level-headed i mean you can those even the mechanically oriented edges and hindrances have a role-playing element to them uh, that i think you're just going to lose if you don't have them and I don't know. The other thing, too, is is if you don't have edges and hindrances, how do you make the characters distinguish from each right. other? Right, and I was about to bring that up. One of the criticisms that I hear all the time for Savage Worlds is that the characters are all the same. They can be 
if you don't use edges and hindrances. Edges and hindrances are how you can have two fighters that play completely different if you're using your edges and hindrances as a role-playing aid. Right. You if can one have fighter different has, characters. If one fighter has first strike and the other has sweep, like they will play fundamentally yeah. different roles from just those two different edges. Yeah, I mean, it, I will say too, you know, not 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 calling out names or anything, but that people have said, let's get rid of Benny's. Let's. I don't like card based initiative. I don't want to have anything to do with playing cards. Again, all of these things are fundamental parts of Savage Worlds. If you're taking these things out. I honestly just I don't think that you're playing Savage Worlds anymore. You're playing a game that has a core mechanic that is the Savage Worlds core mechanic, but that's all it is. You are not playing Savage Worlds anymore. Oh yeah, and like and it's easy to get a little extremist on this. Like I mean, I I love David Scott. Um but he's definitely the one to be the first one to chime in if you're going to change a mechanic. Like he's you'll be like, "Why? Why are you changing that?" you know. And I mean, I think he's probably the best paladin for rules as written, kind of out there in the community as a voice. Um, and I'm I'm all for changing the game, you know, change the feel to suit what you want at your table to suit the setting. And I don't think David's against that at all. But um, no, he'll he'll say trappings. He'll say trappings. But I think his big thing is is if there's a, if there's something out there that already works. Yeah. Why change it and why try to tweak something that's already there and already works? It's more work for you, and it just it's unnecessary. Yeah, and like I mean, to, to me, I will never treat Savage Worlds like a um, you know an avatar for the system or a priest of the system where I believe there's one true way to play and that anything else is heresy. Um, and, and and the conversations definitely go that way. But it's almost like a pro tip: if you're going to go to the community page of the setting or the game you like and toss out there like major changes you you gotta be luther you gotta be martin luther you gotta be able to be like dude this is why i'm suggesting this because i think this thing is broken or this is more fun and be ready for blowback oh yeah and you're gonna get it and and just because the and this is you know even whether your intentions are there or not it will come off as being an affront or an attack and by all means, I love debating. I love being devil's advocate. Again, I say, oh, no, not you. Right, never. But you got to realize you got to bring the A game with a good argument or else people will just think you're being trollish. Because, And it's easy to come off that way, like, oh, well, let's get rid of this. I don't like it. Um, and the question, though, is, is that it's not that Savage Worlds is perfect. It's that it is really, really well playtested and – it's hard to extract any one given thing like you know like oh i don't like card initiative okay but then if you don't like card initiative how do you recreate the leadership edges like level-headed and um you know that allow you to manipulate the cards to, to, to manipulate you know how initiative works and if, if you're going to just do a standard initiative like oh every round it's whoever's the fastest like you know certain versions of other um, role playing roll games that d20 that, right or if you're rolling or ever you know is there do you want a random mechanic or does it have to be fixed every game and i i mean it, it's yes the game will play different but it's almost like um if you want to remove that, what are you replacing it with and what effect are you going for versus, well, I just don't like it because it's different than the other game I play. 
it's it's kind of hard to it's kind of like a Siamese twin. Like sometimes they can be separated successfully, and other times no. They, there's really you know you kill if you try to separate out certain elements. And you know I, I almost think it's that a good analogy. The, the Savage Worlds and Card Initiative is one of those things where you got to be a real skilled surgeon if you want to remove cards from the game. Um, you know, and it's certainly not going to feel like Savage Worlds, but you know, and then the, then you kind of run into these problems. Like if, if you do it and it's good. Uh, is it really? I mean, are the benefits from like? Is it just your own your own little home group your home group that's going to enjoy that? Um, yeah, but I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of positive feedback from the community because I mean, look at look at the level of anxiety and maybe vitriol that came out of the the updated shaken rule, right? That's oh com- yeah, that's coming from on high. Like Clint Black himself. You know the the god of the mechanics of this system is the one who's laying that one down, and people and are did still... and did and did the work to make sure that it was gonna be a usable rule change and not cause too many problems. I mean, it did cause some mechanical issues with a couple of edges, but overall, it didn't. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like you know, well, those can be fixed. But I mean, again, like that's still controversial. I mean, you can still get in a debate. You know, if you want to bring that up on the forum, like you will get you know either shut down or a nasty gram, and you know, and then that's that's from the people who have the most political capital in this system and the most goodwill from everybody, and it's still controversial. And I even think it's a very small change, um, let alone a big change like getting rid of of acing dice or getting rid of card initiative. Or Benny's. Oh God, you can't get rid of Benny's. Sorry, like I'm gonna shut you down on that one. Like there's just no way. There's no way this game works without Benny's. Like it's, it's part of the ethos on, you know, the the mechanics and the the economy of the game and the ethic. I mean, no, it's if you want to get rid of Benny's, go play GURPS. I mean, GURPS is a wonderful system, but GURPS is designed around the Benny mechanic being something that's very expensive to add on and limited to certain settings, like. You know, uh, I think it's called like Wish or Luck or something in that in, in GURPS where you can you know re-roll, you know, once every hour or forty-five minutes or whatever it is. Um, and that's kind of a Benny mechanic, but no, it's one of those things where it, it, other people looking to play Savage Worlds will sit down at your table and be like, "There's no Bennies, why?" Um, and it's not to say you can't screw around with the Benny economy. Like I played in Sean Preston's game when he was running a horror. Um, I think it was Realms of Cthulhu, another good setting to add to the list. Um, he wrote Realms, right? There's yeah. Realms. There's there's multiple of Cthulhu kind of yeah, settings. Yeah, he, he did Realms of Cthulhu. And I'm not generally a horror player, but he's like, listen, these bennies you're going to get at the beginning, they're the only bennies you're going to get in the game. Like, And so you just know. I mean, and it, it, there's the reason for Boy, that. Boy, that ratchets up that tension. Right, is, is, is you just know, like, getting injured is going to be very deadly because you only have the bennies you have you know, in front of you. And... Um, so it's supposed to either temper the violence or make violence a very impactful thing in the game. And I think at the time we were all like we were escaping mental patients. So we were already crazy anyways. So that's which one of those things where it's like that fundamentally changed how that game played. It was fantastic. But we knew it going in. And the Benny was still there. We still knew the mechanic. But if you just restripped out the Benny, it's like, well, wait. I mean – what about all the edges to deal with bennies? What about the, the the concept that you're supposed to use bennies for both narrative purposes and for healing purposes and for uh, you know you name it purposes? And it's that's just a fundamentally different game. You know, it's almost inconceivable that you could be get you know get five new players sit down your table and understand how different that's going to play. 
Um, so you know that's the thing is like. Well, again, I've said it. I've said it, and, and I'll say it again. It's not you're not playing Savage Worlds at that point. You're just yeah. not. Right, and like I love these conversations. Like by all means, ask these questions because I think it just strengthens. You know, by tackling these questions, it strengthens what we like and what we don't like about the setting and the systems and, and the individual house rules or setting rules. Um, so, I mean, I love that you know, the questions get asked. Um, but, yeah, you know, expect expect to bring your A game and expect to get a lot of flack because, um, you know, it really is you know, on an intellectual and emotional level, you know, uh, changing someone's doctrine. Um yeah, so. people are passionate about this system. They're very passionate. They love this system. Uh, Chris and I aren't very. We're not very passionate about the system. Um, so you know, change whatever you want. We don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of the thing. You you think about it like, yeah. I mean, the people who are going to respond to you are people who play it a lot or want to play it a lot. Um, you write in it. I mean, and that's kind of okay. So here's here's my observation. That I really like. Um, looking at D&D, I love that there is an active and vibrant um, authorship channel for people to create adventures and sell them um, that's going on in that community. Um, you can go in and buy their adventures and people are putting them together and like kind of like self-publishing. And there's, there's a stream for that. Um, I love seeing that. It's it's so unique and, and kind of really does take advantage of the promise of the internet um, to connect people and, and self-publishing. And just looking around the community of the savages, you know, you pop on either G plus or Facebook and yeah, you can, you can just instantly talk to people relatively easily who have, who are putting out house rules, who are putting out content, free content, paid content, self-publishing, getting publishing deals with Pinnacle or with, with, you know, uh, the licensees. And we're all kind of right there. And, and I don't know, I mean, looking around, like you can talk to Shane, you can talk to Clint. They're, they're accessible. Right. And it's just like, it's, it's amazing just seeing how many people are like, yeah, they've done this before you. And maybe even just a couple of weeks before, you know, like, Hey, I want to publish my own setting. Fine. We just did it a year ago, you know, six months ago, two weeks ago. Like, you know, there's so many people in the pipeline. It's kind of, it's kind of really cool just looking around the community and seeing how many other people are, you know, doing podcasts. There's another podcast coming up. I, I saw someone was advertising. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A new one coming out. And so it's like, you know, it's really kind of cool that, um, Oh, and I there's an, there's a, even another one like I think it was called Wild Cards. Um, another system was like there were someone's doing a, like an actual play of Deadlands. I think it's called Wild Cards. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I saw it. I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. I want to listen to that. Um, you know, it, it's not so much competition as it is like, hey, other people are putting out really awesome content that you can either get for free or pay for or support in other ways, and uh, that's just so exciting. It's like it's really kind of cool to just look around and be like, hey, there's so much vibrancy going on. And um, so if you want to get into that, if you want to be a part of that, like start by sending us some questions and we'll talk about, you know, we'll mention your name on the air and we'll answer your questions. And, um, you know, in the next couple episodes, we'll talk to you about how we got published and how we're, you know, growing our careers in that aspect. And, um, yeah, no, like that's the first step. Like just reach out to us. We'd be happy to take your questions and, you know, answer them to the best of our ability. So. Why don't you, Fox, tell them how they can get in touch? All right. So uh, if you want to get the podcast, you can get it from iTunes. We'd love you to go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, let other people know that we're out there. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on G+. You can email us at uproar at savagecast.com. And as Chris said, we, we love to get the emails and uh, get your questions answered, and we'll do a better job at getting these uh, answered in a more timely manner. So again, everybody, thanks so much for listening to episode 21 of Savage Cast. Savages!
Thank you for listening to the Savage Cast. You can find our show on our website, www.savagecast.com, or on iTunes. Just search Savage Cast RPG Podcast. While you're there, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email the show at uproar at savagecast.com, savagemommy at savagecast.com, or savagebull at savagecast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Facebook backslash savagecastrpg. You can find us on G+, and on Twitter at savagecast. Thank you again for listening to the Savage Cast, and we hope to hear from you soon.